0: Are you still trying to get your landscaping to look perfect on your own? That sounds sweaty. That sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a job for Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Family-owned and operated Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services, located on Kern Street in Exeter near Blue Ribbon Dairy, has the quality and experience to get your yard looking its best. The garden center offers plants, trees, sod, mulch, rocks, flowers, topsoil, grass seed, straw bales, and much more while the Lawn and Landscaping Services offers mowing, trimming, planting, and full landscaping. And also new at Keller's Garden Center is the Zen Chaser Bonsai Studio, offering bonsai trees, supplies, and classes. Visit them on their social media page for more info. Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Get your free estimate today. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well. How are you?
0: Good, man. With the band The Nocturnal Affair from uh, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. What's it like out there right now? Is it still warm?
1: It's finally getting really nice.
0: Yeah, For finally. about
1: four to eight weeks out of the year. It's perfect. And we have our Renaissance Fair coming up. Halloween happens. It's gorgeous. Then, right after Thanksgiving, it kind of sucks, but it's not as sucky as winter everywhere else in the country.
0: Yeah. So, you're saying it's beautiful right now. What, what, uh, describe beautiful? Cause for me right now, it's been rainy and shitty and 40 degrees. In the middle of the day, it's like 65 or so, but
1: it's like 75, 76 degrees in Vegas, nice and cool, not humid. Yeah. And then sun goes down, maybe goes to like 69 to 70. Nice. But uh, yeah.
0: I've only been to Vegas once. And that was uh, back in two thousand seventeen. And my wife was pregnant at the time. So uh good for me because I was able to have a good time. But she's like my partner in crime. So it's like, you know, she was you know, she couldn't have a good time as far as you know, partying and shit like that. So I had a I kinda, you know, just by default, kinda kept it cool, but yeah. I'll have to go back. There's a bar there I want to go to, really bad. Uh, Brewdog. They just put a bar on the top of uh, the rooftop on the strip there. I think.
1: Yeah, I heard about that one.
0: Yeah, it looks sweet. But we're not here to talk about Brewdog or Vegas for that matter. We're here to talk about the nocturnal affair. Um, and you're coming up. We're in about a week or so. Actually, by the time this airs, you might already be on tour with Fozzie.
1: Cool. Okay.
0: What's the, yeah. What the you think about that? What are your... Uh, what, what, that sounds uh, pretty neat.
1: I'm pretty excited. This is going to be our third time going out with them. Our second time going out with Seventh Day Slumber. And also Magdalene Rose. I always mispronounce her name. I always say Magdalena or, or whatever. But it's... Uh, she's absolutely fantastic. She fronted GFM when we were doing our first tour with Fozzie. And she's got some of the coolest vocals I've heard in the business. And I believe she's going to be playing with seventh day slumber who they're just like the sweetest people I've ever met. And of course, not your first
0: time, not your first time with Fozzie.
1: Yeah.
0: That's, uh, that's interesting. What was that like before?
1: They really kind of taught us the way of the road in the most professional way possible. I know, The Fozzie Boys have been doing it for a long time. I know Rich and the rest of the guys were doing it with Stuck Mojo for a hot minute. And they're just so professional. They're so kind. They're not crazy partiers. They get in. They put in the work. They have fun. They make sure everybody that shows up has fun. And they move on. It's really cool. So they're pros. Completely.
0: I mean, I know... I only know of Fozzie because they were actually uh, in town probably five years ago in the uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania area, FM Kirby Center. Um, And I mean, Chris Jericho. I mean, what else you got to say? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'm not completely familiar with the music, but people, uh, you know, people get pumped about it.
1: Yeah. Um you have you haven't heard a lot of Fozzie's music? No, I haven't. It's good, man. I mean, it's Stuck Mojo with Chris Jericho singing. It's really cool. Okay. And they work with some really cool producers. I mean, Rich Ward is one of the sickest guitar players I've ever seen. And he's got a killer voice on top of it too. And so do the rest of the guys. The rest of the guys are extremely vetted in their instruments and they've all got great voices. So it's pretty cool.
0: Very cool. Well, talk to me about The Nocturnal Affair. Um, you know, when you guys started, uh, the music is is awesome. Um, uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, uh, the song. What is it called? Uh, she didn't write it down. It's that good. I forgot about it. No. Um, it's actually like the the top song on uh, the Spotify playlist. Um it's not your most listened to song on Spotify, surprisingly, which is weird because I think it's the best one, but that's just my opinion. Who do I know?
1: I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> but I mean, it has like a, almost like a breaking Benjamin vibe to it. Um, Your music. I don't know if that's an, uh, a compliment or an insult. Um,
1: a huge compliment to me. Yeah. Those, those
0: guys are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they're from where I'm from. Um I have an honor of knowing uh, a couple of those guys, but uh, A Thousand Ways to Die is the song I'm talking about. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, that's a cool tune. Um, but talk to me about uh, the band, um, when you guys started, how, how it all came together, um, the, the style. I mean, I kind of already alluded to the fact that it sounds a little bit like Breaking Benjamin, but I mean, it's probably more than just that.
1: I started the band back, I want to say in 2014, 2015. As a joke, it was under another name. And we played our first show at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. And it was a corporate event. We opened up for a Duran Duran cover band. And the place was packed wall to wall. It was full. People went crazy for us. We got off stage and people bum rushed us looking for merch. And at the time, it was just the joke band. We were even anonymous. It was me and a few other guys from another band I was in. And we covered our faces and we did a few originals and uh, I, th- I think like a cure cover or something like that. And um, when we got bum rushed off the stage, I was like, okay, maybe I have something here. 2017, changed the name and started kind of writing a little bit more from the heart, started working with Logan Mater. 2019, went on our first tour with the 69 Eyes. Started working with John Moyer from Disturbed for this project. I've worked with him in the past. He's fantastic. And uh, now we're here.
0: Well, that was a quick version. What were you playing uh, like back when you first started that, you know, it was a joke? and
1: Well, it, I, it wasn't a joke like I was making fun of the genre. It was a joke like I wasn't really taking it seriously because I needed a passion project so I could kind of get the nerves out uh while i had a few metal bands going and they were driving me a little crazy because i'm a bit of a control freak and the bands i was in everybody was kind of fighting to get their vo- voice heard fighting for the limelight so i needed something to where i could get my ideas out feel good about it and um not worry about anybody else's opinion so that's why i started this so i was a big fan i'm still a big fan of you know Sisters of Mercy, The 69 Eyes, Type of Negative, David Bowie, Peter Murphy, like all that other goth stuff. And so it was like pretty slow, drudgy, saying really low, a bunch of other stuff and uh, really inspired by that, that era of music.
0: Yeah, I mean, it has definitely has like a, a early to mid 2000s vibe.
1: If you listen to our demos, I think it's still on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's kind of where we were at. It was mm-hmm. it was a little bit like, we, we're a little punk rock with how we do shit. We sound a little crappy. It's kind of on purpose, kind of just because we don't give a fuck. Yeah. And, uh, and then we ended up getting managed by Des Fafara 2017. And he was like, where the fuck did you guys come from? And uh we did a few, few newer tracks and then uh, us and Dez kind of parted ways, but we're still on good terms and uh, now, you know, moved on.
0: Well, the type of music you you uh, perform and record, you're very like just real, just chill. Do you save it for the stage? Is that what you do?
1: Uh, normally I'm actually pretty goofy, but I'm just exhausted. I've been, uh, I've been working all day in the studio. We're actually I'm working with a, a new producer right now on an upcoming single that we're gonna be dropping here soon. And uh it was a long day, but it was a good day. It was very awesome. Really cool guy to work with. I'm just tired.
0: <laughs> Can you say who that is? Because I mean, um you, you told me earlier today, because yeah, it's been a long day. You were up early, you thought you missed this interview because you thought it was nine a.m. It's actually nine PM on yeah. Wednesday. Um <clears throat> but backwards. the producer you Please the producer um, has uh, a pretty uh, decent.
1: Um... Yeah. Yeah. I can talk about him. Yeah. Uh, it's John and I'm currently in Atlanta, Georgia, beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, this place. It's, I love it here. Cause I'm from the East coast. I'm from Boston and I love the South. I love new Orleans. I love Florida. I love all the Southern. I just love the, the hospitality, the food, It's just like the weather, it's so, it's probably just because it's so different than living in a dry-ass desert all the time. So anywhere in the east south, I'm just having a blast. So currently in a place called Peachtree Corners outside of Atlanta. And it, it feels like I'm in Massachusetts right now. It's not too cold. It's not too humid. But, so it's like there's an east coast aspect, like what's available for food and the people. But then there's also the southern comfort of it as well it's it's such an interesting experience
0: and johnny andrews you said has worked with uh bands like Hailstorm, motionless and white also from my area uh yeah. and three days grace
1: yeah so cool. many 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 more yeah. he, he's also he works with fozzy a lot he does a lot of their really really great tracks with them like i believe he worked on i still burn uh he's responsible for judas like he's the dude is just a great producer and he brings out the best in every artist he works with.
0: Is this your first time working with him? And what's that been like?
1: We hit it off. I mean, he's really cool. He's very funny. So it's it's kind of hard for us to stay on track because we'll do something. We'll get we'll get somewhere with the song. And then one of us kind of pipes up a joke about it. And then it reminds us about this. So and then we, next thing we know, we've been talking for like 45 minutes. Like, oh, right. Yeah, we're here for a reason. Like, let's do it. So he's really great. He's super cool.
0: Yeah, that's neat. Um, has he brought out a different aspect of of the band and during this process?
1: Yes. Yeah, and,
0: uh, and what what uh, aspect?
1: Well, he's he's bringing his songwriting style to the table as well. So usually I write everything for Nocturnal, and I'll have my guitar player Andy come in and like redo guitars because he's one of the best guitarists I've ever met in my life and he writes amazing solos he writes fantastic riffs and he just like he can take a, something I've written or something I haven't written and he can just add to it and it, make it sound phenomenal but most of the time I write like the, the, the basic skeleton of the song and bring it to you know either if I'm working with John Moyer or Logan Mater I'll bring it to them and they kind of help you know mold it but with Johnny we've started from scratch and it's really a, a team effort on this and it's a new adventure for me because I'm not used to doing this but he's being very patient and he is a very good communicator and he's very good at telling me why my idea will work or my idea won't work for the goals we've set for the upcoming single like where we would like it to land and what I want to do with it and and you know where I would like my career to go and so he's like you know You could make it sound like mr bungle and tom waits and you know all the other crazy bands that influence you and maybe like three percent of people will like it or you can make a product that you are proud of and also people will enjoy so yeah it's interesting
0: it's kind of neat how producers they're almost like like therapists they can kind of bring different different things out of different people and, like, yep. each one is, like, different from the, the other one. It's just, like, it. I always, like, think it's cool how bands work with different producers. It's, like, you know, it's almost like you'd be foolish to a degree to work with the same one every time because you want to be able to have a different set of ears on something or just have a different set of, you know, inputs on, on things that you're working on and, and can kind of help you grow and, and navigate the, the space. I,
1: the only bands I've heard continuously work with the same producer, and it's come out better and better and better, are probably bands that work with Kevin Churko. Kevin Churko is just a powerhouse of a, of a producer and a songwriter. And everything he t- he touches turns to gold. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Who does he work with? I, I'm not familiar with that.
1: Uh, he's pretty much been responsible for Five Finger Death Bunch for like okay. most of their career. Logan Mater did wave the fist, and a bit of war is the answer. And then I think Kevin Sherko did everything from that on.
0: I feel like Five Finger Death Punch gets a bad rap.
1: They do. Anybody who's as successful as them is going to get a bad rap.
0: Yeah.
1: They're lucky to get that bad rap because it doesn't phase them with how successful they've been in the industry. Same thing happened to Metallica. Same thing happened to Three Days Grace. Same thing has happened to Breaking Benjamin and Chevelle and Tool. And Nickelback. anybody outside of the underground level and releases one or two songs or records that maybe a certain type of person doesn't enjoy, all of a sudden, you know, they get about it. even do the Imagine Dragons. You know, they deserve all the success they've gotten.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. Their, their most recent, like, one or two albums. I, I was a huge fan from the beginning. Yeah. And even as they got like, you know, real, real mainstream. I was still like, this is still good. Still good. Still good. And then like, they kind of lost me the last
1: couple. I don't know. But it's, it's, they're doing well with it. That's the thing. Sure, so yeah, I mean, the killers did it. Um, I mean, it's, it's just at the end of the day, as unhappy people can be, if the person that created the art is happy with their release, it doesn't matter. If they're happy and it's 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 doing them well, they're getting the tours that they want. They're seeing the success that they are looking for, and they're enjoying their career path. They're enjoying the journey. Like, yeah, Slipknot. Slipknot, dude. Like, they. I remember when they released Volume Three, and everybody threw a fit. And I was just that was that was actually when I was getting into like heavier music. And Slipknot was the doorway for me to discover metal. That's when I started discovering thrash metal, death metal, black metal, you know, metalcore, uh, you know, doom metal, all that. Stuff. And that all started from from hearing duality. That was where it began. Like, before that, the heaviest thing I'd listened to was Metallica. And uh a buddy of mine showed me that song. And I was like, Who, who's this? I was this kid. Well, I don't and like I remember thinking this is one of the heaviest things I've ever heard. And I went to school the next day. And I was like, listen, man. I was like, yeah, man, I've been I got a t shirt. I had the whole thing going. And a bunch of dudes were like, man, they suck now. That's the this is the worst fucking record they've ever released. And it became one of their most popular. Right. And then they skyrocketed. And now, like, when people think back to those times, they're like, Yeah, dude, like volume three is one of the best records they've done. Aside from, of course, you know, Iowa being the heaviest. But yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's not fair. I mean, I say this a lot on this this show. It's not fair to like, you know, everyone wants bands to sound the same every record, or, you know, you you know, you said Slipknot, like people think they like they sold out, um, you know, to mainstream, all that kind of shit. But like, why else do you do this stuff? And like, you're artists. You're supposed to be creative. You're supposed to take risks and chances and be different than the last. Like, it's like, it's not fair for us. as you know, consumers of fans to be mad at them for not creating the same record they made last time.
1: Yep. Yeah, I've even dude, it's even my friends. Uh I, I had friends that were extremely supportive of this band when I started it, when it was like the days of, you know, the demos, the the EP that's on the our Spotify. And the moment I started dropping shit that sounds like Metamorphosis, which is still like that's you know, it's produced by Moyer and Logan, but like we didn't make it of it being commercial right or for it wasn't made for radio but it was it's so like well polished very well mixed very well mastered very well produced that like i have a lot of friends that heard it and went dude you've already sold out and i'm like what are you talking about what are you talking about i've showed this record to labels and they're like it's not commercial enough what do you mean i've sold out like yeah (laughs) so it's it's I, i don't know man it's funny
0: I'll never forget when a day to remember came out with their their album. Uh, I forget the, the title of the album, but it was like two years ago. They got torched,
1: uh, and I I thought it was great. Fantastic! They yeah. and they're fantastic. Oh my god! I yeah. watched them up a roach years back. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, speaking of these bands, I, are there are a lot of these like kind of inspirations uh, of yours as you kind of
1: you know create my mood, man. It depends on what I'm listening to. I write, I write many different styles and that's, that's another reason why I've kind of, you know, we're, we're going to to Johnny Andrews right now because he's kind of helping me hone in on one subject. So I don't write five different genres. (laughs) Like, you know, I was supposed to be getting ready to meet this guy and and work on something for nocturnal. And last week I woke up and I wrote, you know, a doo-wop song. It, it's just like I just when I feel it I write it so it's everything from you know Faith No More and Mr. Bungle a lot of Mike Patton stuff I do love me some Breaking Benjamin especially like so cold era when I discovered them was like that was mind boggling music to me I thought that was so cool and then uh, you know obviously there's the you know, Chevelle the bands that sound like them and, and just all that stuff man yeah it's there's that but also I learned guitar and i'm extremely influenced by like um Gothenburg sweden bands like you know the haunted and at the gates and like thrashier stuff right uh, so it's just i love prince i love bowie i love all it it's whatever i'm feeling
0: well recently you just released a single uh it's a cover of The Pesh mode correct yep oh yeah it's uh called it's no good so how did that kind of come about
1: i had it sitting in a garage band project since like I don't know 10 years ago it's I've oh, always wow. that song and I had a pretty rough version of it that I've kind of updated over the years and I have like this list of covers that I love and uh, and would love to do and I've recorded so many demos of them by now that we could probably drop a covers record but I think at this point in our career it's kind of pointless because who cares right who cares yet um, but uh I care yeah <laughs> I think once we have a bigger audience that can, like, respect it, cool, um, but while we're still being discovered, and I'm still telling people our story, I, I'd say dropping a covers record would be a little silly, because sure. people are like, oh, I've never heard of them before, and there's a lot of, are they a cover band? What's going on here? But, you know, we do have a, a another cover in the works here that we might drop as our next single. I don't even know what we're doing yet. I don't know if it's going to be an original. I've got, like, 14 written, produced, finished songs ready to go that happened over the pandemic. Um you know, I've got I've got this song now with Johnny Andrews. I've got something else I'm working on too. It's who knows what's next, but like I've also digressed so much that I don't remember what the question was.
0: Well, not just how that this the cover song came about.
1: The passion right. Yeah. yeah. It was we were working on our next EP and I showed it to Moyer. And he was like, this is tits. Let's do it. And we did it. And, you know, we kind of showed it to our team. And we're like, you know, what's the strongest song out of this handful of songs? And they were like, it's it's definitely Depeche Mode. Let's drop it.
0: And you had that. You were sitting on that for 10 years.
1: The cover, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it came out when I was seven years old. And I've loved it since since I, I was seven. So it's... There's just certain songs that never go away. And that was one of them. And so it's cool that I now get to like play it.
0: It It's so in my opinion, again, not that it matters, but like um, it's, it's cleaner than the original. Like I really like this song, this version better than the original, just because I think it's cleaner. I mean, back in what was 97 it came out. Um, It was kind of like muddy, which is, you know, probably on purpose, right? But like I feel like your version is just it's it's kind of more polished and cleaner and and,
1: and I, I really like it. I would blame Moyer and Logan for that. That's a good thing.
0: And I found out too that uh, Chevelle also covered that at one point.
1: They did actually. i I saw that a while ago um, when I was throwing this idea around because I have that record. And it never crossed my mind. Like, I'd completely forgotten about it. And Dude, I brought same. it. Up. And same. we, yeah, we, we recorded it. And then we were showing a few people. I think it was Matt Pinfield. Somebody was like, oh, yeah, Chevelle did that. And I went, what? They're, yeah, Chevelle has it covered. And I was like, is it recent? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, it was like years ago. So it's like, there's still, I think like, a. Almost a decade between ours and Chevelle's, thankfully. So that's, well, that's usually the cool. rule. Like, if the song is at least, you know, 10 years old, it's safe for the cover zone, you know?
0: So when I was looking at it, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, was on there. Well, I don't know, you know, with Spotify and, and <clears throat> re releases. It was Wonder on there. Was- yeah, the o- 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 02. So that's like 20 some years ago.
1: Yeah. Okay. Which is insane. Oh my God, that was.
0: Yeah, and that was that was like that album, and I don't know, like when I heard that, I it just never kind of you know clicked.
1: And theirs sounds so different too. Yeah, you know, we we, you know, I'm I'm glad we don't we don't have a lot of similarities in that, even though it's the you know we covered the same song, so. But that's like
0: what's great about you know, music too. Just like your own take, your own. um it's your own uh vibe, you know, your own thing. Oh yeah. I love it. But yeah, I thought it was it was very well done. Very well done. And I couldn't believe Chevelle did it, and I can't I couldn't believe that I didn't recognize that twenty one years ago.
1: Yeah. Well it's funny because you know that song that, that record came out when I was twelve. I don't know if I discovered them yet. So you're young. I'm thirty three. You're a young man. I mean if that's the music industry I'm excited I'm happy for it I remember being told when I was 18 you've only got to your early 20s to make it and at <laughs> the time helped true and then I got to like 25 and 26 and I was starting to pull my hair out thinking like oh my god is it too late and there was like a weird shift so now all of a sudden it's like it's 33 is the new like 20 you know what I mean And it doesn't matter nobody cares really about your age unless you're you want to be a pop icon, so
0: sure, yeah. Unless you're trying to sell, sell sex,
1: exactly. Sell makeup. Sell abs. Yep. As long as you look pretty decent, nobody really cares how old you are. Yeah,
0: I don't know if you still have it, but you're you might be hiding like a mohawk type thing.
1: I recently shaved it. Yeah, go. we got it, and it was just like I tried to. I tried to fix it so many times that it was like. It was I don't know you know the tour mohawk that you're seen a band that's from out of town and you can tell oh that guy shaves it himself yeah it was okay oh, fuck it. It was
0: fair enough it grows back right
1: oh yeah yeah I, I I change my hairstyle every fucking five weeks
0: I'm jealous of that <laughs> my my hair is actually the longest it's ever been well maybe it's probably as long as it's been once before. Uh, and I'm at like, I don't know what to do with it. Um, I'm like torn. Cause like I'm 40, um, like my kids in school. So like, I see other parents and I don't want them to think that I'm a loser. You know, I was like, who's this, who's this 40 year old jerk off with this long Like, like scraggly hair. Like, what are you doing? Like you're old. Stop it. But I spent my a lot of years. <clears throat> I told you before I was in, um, local and inter- like media entertainment magazines, newspapers. Uh, and I was in radio, but like my primary job in radio was sales. So I had to wear the suit and tie every day, clean cut, everything. So now I work for a screen printing company and, you know, I almost fit in now with the long hair and tattoos and shit like that. Like, nice. so it's cool, but it's like, I'm also 40. And I feel weird at the bus stop with parents who are, you know, wearing suits and shit like that. Don't judge me. Don't judge me.
1: That's awesome. No, that's all. <laughs> that's that's most that's what most parents look like in Vegas, at least. That's the scene out there. It's every everybody every parent in Vegas is a bartender and covered in tattoos. So you're good. you
0: are just trying to fit in.
1: An insult. That's not an insult. Every I, I and I mean that's every parent like our age. You know what I mean? Thirties to forties. They look. They look like we're about to go to like a concert or something like that.
0: I love it. Okay, I'm fitting in. Yeah, fitting in. <clears throat> you mentioned Matt Pinfield. Do, you, do yeah. you know him? Yeah, like you guys are friends.
1: I mean, you know, we're pretty cool. That's sweet. We've uh, we've hung out on quite an occasion. Uh, yeah, he he was there when we met and kind of showcased to Rake and man sitting down with that guy and just talking music is the coolest thing in the world he is like a a human encyclopedia of knowledge and it's i could do it i could sit there and talk to him all day it's so fun because i'm kind of the same way when i like a band i obsess over them i gotta know their name i gotta know their age i gotta know when they started i gotta know how long it took for them to be successful kind of like what the what the ingredients were. And then I like to take bands that I love and kind of compare that. Like, what was it about this, you know, this band and this band and this band that all makes sense as to what brought them to the success that they've they've reached. And uh so we've we've had a lot of that that kind of talk. He's just a cool dude. He's a cool dude. He does cool stuff. Yeah. I and
0: mean, he was an icon like for me growing up watching M T V and shit like that. Like
1: Yeah. He was a little before my generation a little bit. Yeah. Like when on MTV, I think I was still watching like Rugrats.
0: It sounds about right. Yeah. Just like <laughs> I said, you're 33. I'm 40. I'm, I'm gonna be 41 in the next. Well, by the time this airs, it'll probably be almost my birthday. Uh um, oh, Yeah, so uh, I mean, it's 41. It's like it's all over.
1: <laughs> Do my guitar player is turning? What is he turning? Uh, actually, maybe I shouldn't disclose it. So never mind. But you're yeah, young.
0: Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> He probably looks fantastic. They don't want to give away his age.
1: They look, they do look fantastic. They're, yeah. they're beautiful men with big hair. And, uh, and that's why I put them around me. Take take the off my bald head.
0: That's funny. Yeah, so I, I, I grew up watching Matt Pinfield on MTV. Back when MTV was cool. I remember, who's the other guy? Well, it was Kurt Loader?
1: The music news guy. What was his name? Was it Kurt Loader? No, it was like Tucker, oh. right? Oh, no. Carson Daly. Carson, that's it. What, what was I think? Oh, because Tucker Carlson, Carlson,
0: Carlson. Carson, yeah, yeah. That I knew where not... you're
1: going. I was thinking about no, Carson. no, no. Carson Daly, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah trying to uh, who else was uh, a big. That, I think Carson Daly was like my generation.
0: Yeah, that would make sense because, um, he
1: was uh,
0: probably big late late nineties early 2000s. So that puts me at like 18, 1920.
1: So you're a teenager at that point ish. Uh, late 90s. Early, I turned 10 in 2000. So oh. like my early, my preteens and teenage years was I believe Carson Daly was like I think he was like the older guy on the team but he was like I just remember news about Van Marjera, You know what I mean? The Jackass crew. Yeah. I remember waking up to go to school and it was like, you know, ludicrous rapping, walking down the street with big hands. Like that was the major video. That was on. you know what I mean? Like you just, it was, uh, it was like Maroon five. You know what I mean? The, yep. the, it's has taken. <laughs> get it. And, get it. The, hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Oh three. Oh
0: three. has a big song. Oh
1: three. Yeah. <clears throat> man. Years old,
0: man. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, I have this like, it's slowly fading away, but I like if I bought the CD, um, I can kind of tell you like what year it came out. Sometimes I could tell you what month it was. Sometimes I could tell you the week, and there's even some, very rare, but like to the, almost to the day. Almost to the day.
1: I could feel, I feel that though. I'm, I'm, I'm. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I I remember when Audio Slave started, and I remember not knowing who Chris Cornell was, but when Like a Stone would play on MTV, I would just be like, like, fucking dumbfound. Like, I had to have been pretty, pretty young. But, uh, yeah, man. Well, that
0: was probably early 2000s, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. I remember I do remember when also what was what was a big song that I liked when I was a kid. I had been I to have been in the 5th grade so that would have been 2000. It, it was like maybe spring of 2000. I was red hot chili peppers dropped the other side. So what year? I, it had to have been either 99 or 2000. The other chili side? Peppers. Other side. Yeah. I was like in love with that video. Cause like the bass player was sitting on the power lines, playing the power lines like a bass, and the imagery was all like whack doodle It's great.
0: I wanna see. I'm curious now. Curious. <clears throat> I
1: remember being the only kid in my class that like knew the red hot chili peppers and would like sing like songs like that at school. Everyone else was into like hip hop and rap and pop and Kids are still like in the backstreet, boys and in sync and 98 degrees. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, 99, according to Spotify. 99,
1: June,
0: June 8th, 99. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's why I, I love music so much because it, it, it um, has such a, it just has an impactful. just the thing about it like again i you know you, you attach it to moments of your life whether it be high school you know your friends you know a, you know unfortunately a loved one passing away i remember when the foo fighters came out with their double disc um in your honor oh five uh i want to say june i want to say june 12th that my dad passed away on June 13th of okay. that year. But again, it's just, but it's, it's best friends. It's moments of summertime with your, you know, off from school. It's girlfriends. It's, it's all these moments. And you like, it's, it's all associated together. And that's one thing I love about music outside of it just being, you know, an amazing thing. It just, it, it, it brings people together. It's nostalgic. It's, it's all these things.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's wild.
0: I mean, how did you get into music?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you, man. My first concert was Little Richard. I was single digits when I saw him. I was a huge fan of Casper the Friendly Ghost. Okay. And they been to a movie, and I remember he did the Casper the Friendly Ghost. so <laughs> snow. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, he uh, so he played some type of show in Vegas. I don't even remember what casino it was. My mom took me. And. (laughs) At the time, she was she was a little overweight and I being a very young kid with, with no sense of social morals or, you know, what's nice to say and what's not nice to say, as children do, I'm at this little Richard concert. And little Richard turns to the crowd and he's like, where's my big girls at? You know, I like those big ladies. Where's my fat girls? Where are they at? And he's like, you know, playing, doing his thing. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, being the kid that just wants to mom, that's you. You're 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 the big girl. She's like, please stop, Bren. And I'm like, no, that's you. They're getting on stage. Go dance with him. That's so fun. She's right here. Like I'm on my seat screaming that my mom is one of the big. It was so embarrassing, but I will remember that forever. And uh no, he's amazing though. His music is I was just like awestruck. Um <laughs> I've never told that story to anyone, that's amazing. by the way. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. My family. So sorry. About um, that. I, but what was really cool to later find out is that uh Little Richard was David Bowie's first concert. Okay. And he also pointed out his no, I'm kidding. Oh, no, you <laughs> <better>. uh <laughs> But so, I mean, I saw Little Richard performing and I was like, damn, like, a sing on stage. There have been other bands, too, I'd seen, like, you know, my sister introduced me to Metallica. My sister's 19 years older than me. So she was very much a a parental figure in my life, practically, because she, she was so much older than me when I was a baby. So, you know, she introduced me to bands like Metallica, The Offspring, you know, uh, Sticks, like stuff like that when I was a kid. So I was, you know, dancing around my room and singing stuff and all that jazz. I would like I would sneak into uh, the living room at night and turn on the TV and watch like Headbangers Ball. I was like, you know, a kid as well. So it just it kind of came from everywhere. And then when I was like 11, I started choir. And that's when it made sense I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm singing and I'm doing something that I'm meant to do at 11 years old. I knew straight up, like, I was like, oh, like, we we sang our, our I'll never forget our first piece in choir we did was uh Phantom of the Opera Medley, and that's how I discovered like like musicals like that and stuff. And I was just like, this is amazing, I don't ever want to stop doing this. Can you do it? And like, you know, I thought, oh, you could do this for a living, like, people do this, like, this is their job. And then nothing else was important to me. Like I didn't give a fuck. People are like, "Yeah, make sure you go to college and do all this other stuff, and make sure you know you find a career path." I'm like, "I'm gonna be a musician. That's it. This is it." Yeah. Started guitar when fourteen. Started piano. I played piano just even by ear since I was a kid. But um, yeah, dude, don't let me ramble. I'll ramble for hours. Yeah, be careful,
0: dude you know what? You've had a long day. So you, it, this is all up to you. If you want to go keep going, keep going. I don't want to keep it too, too long, but uh, no, I mean, this is this stuff. This is stuff that I like to hear about. I mean, it's just like, you know, how do you, because exactly what you're saying. People are trying to deter you from following your dreams. Like and you at 11 years old, you're like, this is what I want to do. Like, oh. I, I want to do this forever. Like, how can I figure out how to do this?
1: You know, I, I'm very grateful for the choir teachers that I had. And it's very heartbreaking that choir isn't really an elective that people can take anymore in Clark County School District in, in Vegas. It's it's a bit scary, at least last time I heard. Um, it's been years, though. But if it wasn't for my choir teachers, I don't know if I would have been driven enough or inspired enough because I had so many people in my life tell me that it was a pipe dream. I had so many people in my life. Who just automatically assumed I started doing drugs and drinking as an underage kid when I said I wanted to be a rock star? And right. I didn't really touch a single fucking thing until I was like, you know, in my late late eighteen. You know, people are, kids are usually getting drunk at parties when they're super young. That wasn't me. I didn't start doing that shit until much later. But like until
0: so you're twenty one, you follow the rules.
1: I, you know what? I would have drinks here and there. Like I was, I was bar mitzvahed at thirteen, and I was trying uh, to like
0: save you there. I was trying to save you.
1: Oh, no, I don't give a fuck. It's okay. (laughs) I know, I know. So I I had a little wine, right? Which, when you're young and that you... you, Older people willingly introduce you to alcohol. It tastes Mm -hmm. terrible, right? It's not the excitement of like, I shouldn't be doing this. So you you haven't, you're like, this is bad. No, I'll have soda instead because it's better. You know, you don't understand why people get drunk or whatever. And then when I was 16, uh, I had my first shot of Jack Daniels. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all downhill from there. No, but um what did I say? Yeah. Well just so how important the? To... yeah, people were not supportive. I mean my family would always be like, Yeah, you're great music, we're a musical family. But they'd be like, but have a plan, have have a different plan. I, you know, do something else. And I just no, fuck no. I remember being fourteen, starting high school, and I went to a, a college uh it was like it was one of the it was when they started doing high schools in Vegas where they, they want to set you up for college. So you start going to classes like people would in college. And you, there's it, it, was, it was very interesting, but you had a homeroom that you'd go to that was like, you know, gets you prepared for secondary education. They went around on the first fucking day of high school. They were like, you know, we're going to share where you're from and what you want to do. And I said that I, I want to be a professional musician. I want to be a rock star. And the teacher... And the whole class laughed at me. And then the teacher continued to laugh, which caused everyone, obviously, to follow suit. And I was like, made a joke of, because I said I wanted my career to be in music and the arts. And it was kind of like, oh, good luck, buddy, sure. Yeah, what What do you really want to do? And that was the attitude of everybody in my life until like I became an adult.
0: Now, do you think, so I have my own set of opinions on, you know, if I went back to when I was in high school, like, you know, your guidance counselors, like, in my opinion, they were the worst. Though the worst. like, they didn't. They had their, you know, top five or ten people that they knew they were gonna go to Ivy League schools or gonna be, go be doctors or do whatever. And they definitely helped them like, and guide them into like you know filling out the proper paperwork and whatever X Y Z. But outside of and and i don't think it's exclusive to my school and and I, or just growing up in general and i don't i shouldn't blame them because i think this is how society was kind of directing everyone but they didn't really do a great job of of you know i think recognizing someone's skill set and saying hey like you know you perform really really great in uh, you know, shop class and maybe math and things like that, and say, have you ever thought of, you know, working in construction or working as a, a, a you know, not not handyman, but like something where shop and math and all those things would apply to. You? I just didn't think they did a good job at that, and it's it's unfortunate.
1: But did you? Okay. One of the one of the biggest travesties of that is that they don't they don't teach you about taxes. They don't teach you about financing anything. They don't teach you about credit scores. They don't teach you about responsibilities that are very real. That no matter what path you take in life, you have to be a uh, a member of society that isn't just a fucking bum. You know, they don't teach you any of that.
0: Not the important stuff, right? Yeah, but did you take that and were you like, "I'm gonna fucking prove you all wrong"?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Well, to to a point. So at the same time I was starting to discover rock music, I also started volunteering at my local haunted house. And every year I would do this thing. And then I decided I wanted to be part of the haunt industry, the makeup industry. Um, At a very young age, I also, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street and it scared the piss out of me. And my father went, dude, it's fake. It's like uh, people get paid to put stuff on that guy's face. So he looks like that. And I go, I was like, that's a real job. He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, I could do that. So like, since a kid, since I was a kid, I loved horror, loved, uh, do, you know, special effects makeup. So I got into that for a while. And then from like my early twenties into my mid twenties, I didn't, I ended up getting a job for the thing that Eli Roth had in Vegas. And also got a job. I, I started working in production. That's how I brought home the butter or bacon, butter, bacon. What is it? Whatever it is. That's like Yeah. Uh, at bread, Whatever the fucking term is, I, I I kept my lights on with um with production working for UFC, ESPN, oh, NBA, shit. anything that that gave me you know hey we need a you know a PA for this or a production for this I've, wor- I've worked on set for American Ninja Warrior I've done commercials for Denny's I've done you know the Billboard Music Awards I did iHeartRadio I did it's just you know it's production That's so awesome. it wasn't until I was like twenty six where I was like okay all right, I guess I'm doing music. I guess I'm, I literally, I got a divorce and went, guess I'll start a dark rock band. Batman became Batman at 30. Fuck it. It's never too late. So That's awesome. Divorce at how old? I was 26
0: when I got divorced. 26.
1: Yeah. So you
0: you married young?
1: I do. It's okay. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the experience. I'm grateful for the journey. Um, you know, divorce never ends because people are happy, but you know, I'm happier now, and I, I believe she is too. So that's okay. Life,
0: life lessons, exactly. Growing, growing moments. Yep. But yeah, so uh, working on all that—that—that—that's all cool stuff. UFC and <clears throat> that's that's cool. Like it's not like. You weren't like flipping burgers at Burger King while you're trying to like, you know, play play music at I mean
1: at- I I've been there.
0: Well, sure, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you you were like doing you're still doing well, stuff that like
1: I quit Carls Jr. to open up for Sticks Sar Speedwagon and Tech New in, like twenty it's either twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. I was a manager at Carl's Jr. That's and the fucking store isn't even there anymore. And I won a contest. And I, I, they were like, you're going to open up for fucking sticks on Speedwagon, speed wagon, Ted Nugent at planet Hollywood in front of like 5,000 people. It's not 5,000, but it's like, it was a lot of people. And uh, when you, but when you're that young, you're like, it's like 5,000 people. So it's just like, sweet. So I told my job, I told my boss and next, the next day on the schedule, it was like important meeting. Like, you can't miss it. It's like, you got to go mandatory. And I was like, I just told you yesterday that I got this amazing gig. And it could be good for my career. And they were like, nah. it, it's either you go to this meeting or you don't have a job next week. And I looked at her and I went, so do you want tickets to the concert? Like, That's I, awesome. And that's when I stopped flipping burgers. But I do. I've had every odd job. Nuts, man. And I've worked at like probably in a, an uncomfortable amount of sandwich shops. I've worked for Capriati's, Jimmy John's, Porta Sub, Subway, Jersey Mike's, you name it. I did it early 20s. That's awesome though
0: it's it's part of who you are today yeah now today are you like a full-time musician?
1: yes, that's amazing it's fun uh I you know I still try to look for some production work here and there and if if, if my buddy's working a gig and he's like, hey man like we need somebody you know i'll I'll definitely do it because I, I still love it I still love working in any the arts in any manner right so. That's awesome.
0: So yeah, outside of of uh again when this airs, you'll you'll be on tour with Fozzie. Outside of that, I mean, is that going to wrap up your uh 2023?
1: We don't have any other tours in the books. We're going to we're going to go back to Vegas and we're going to play something called like a Dark Arts Market, which is like a big smorgasbord of Really cool, thrifty, spooky things um, that people like to make and sell, and it's like a bunch of artists in the Las Vegas area that are of the 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 darker kind of uh, genre. It's really fun, actually, and they've asked us to kind of headline the night, so we're gonna we're gonna show up and play some music once everybody's done buying shit. And uh, it's just just an opportunity to kind of I don't know hang out with our with our crew out there, have a good time. The community is fantastic, and the 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 arts community is really really fucking cool and supportive. So awesome. we are very uh, blessed to have people that we have in that community.
0: Very cool. And what about twenty twenty four? Any um, you know big plans uh, either personally or band wise or. Um, you know, maybe nothing solidified yet, but like, is there, you know, goals you kind of have in your mind that you, uh, you want, you want to see kind of be fulfilled? If I could talk about it, I would. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll run this back when, when I, when I see the news, like, Hey, <laughs> Hey, these guys were talking about this
1: back then. There you go. <laughs> Had this in mind.
0: Yeah. This is what he meant. I'll, I'll pull this back. I'll cut the clip. Like This is it. This is it. <laughs> well, cool, man. Um, like I said, I don't want to take up your time. It's I'm, I'm sure you have uh, a lot of cool things you want to do and the area you're in. And um, I don't want to take up all your time. So uh, where can people find you you guys online? Where, where should people go to, to to learn more about the nocturnal affair?
1: Instagram is really cool. TikTok is really cool. Spotify is great. Uh, we do have a website. It's just our band name, the com. But, you know, you're going to find everything you need to know on TikTok, on, on Instagram. You got any questions, reach out to us. Maybe we'll answer you. Maybe we'll be occupied by something shiny.
0: Well, it's, so just so you know, I I've, I tried to follow your band a few days ago when I got this all set up. But I have a, a problem where I follow just you know a lot of like artists, musicians, entertainers, and all that. And I, and I guess I've met the capacity that you can follow, which is seventy five hundred on Instagram. So I I hit you know follow and I'm like okay I think I I think I you know I followed them and then you hit me up this morning and it said follow back. I'm like I I know I follow these guys already. So uh. No. I, so that's why i have not uh followed back in case you (laughs) in case you give a shit (laughs) i'm sure it's not that big a deal but
1: it doesn't hurt my feelings it's okay
0: i know i know but it's it's like one of those things like yeah i took the time out of my day to like sit down with the interview this this guy he doesn't like my band but um the band name real quick where did that come from Uh so
1: I was in a metal band when I started this band and we had a 24 hour lockout space that we rented a month, you know, every month. And when this band started, when it was, you know, not too serious, we called it the feels. So I was rehearsing with the feels one night for our first show and the uh, guitar player and bass player on the metal band Walked into the practice space like late at night. Because I practiced at night because that's when the metal band didn't use it. And they just they just went because they left some rolling papers there and they wanted to roll a joint. And so they came to the practice spot to fucking roll a joint and smoke. And they walk in because they're like they rush in because they hear music being played. And like, and they walk in and it's us, you know, playing this goth rock. We're like, oh hey. And it's like, you know, record scratch stops, kind of like, like, oh like awkward silence. They're just like, what are you doing? It's like, I've got a side project. Like, Oh, for how long? Why didn't you tell us? And they started asking me all these questions. Finally, I was like, you know, what do you guys need? We gotta, we gotta continue rehearsing. And then the next day they're like, dude, like, why are you playing with them? What's wrong with us? Why are you getting them gigs and not us? What's going on? Do they, play? are they, are they better players than us? Do you like them more than us? And it it sounded like when, somebody catches their spouse cheating.
0: Yeah. I like so that. I would,
1: when it was time for me to uh to <laughs> it's like I was caught having an affair. Mm-hmm. So it's the name of the nocturnal affair because it is an affair I was having at night. So that's it. That's funny. I like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't choose it. It wasn't like a serious like, oh we are creatures of the nocturnal type. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Is the
0: affair that happens at the night, and I take
1: everything seriously. It's not <laughs> that's
0: awesome. That's awesome. It's fun. <laughs> well, dude, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Um, looking forward to uh the news that you'll break eventually.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate uh, that. I,
0: I wish you uh the best of luck on tour with Fozzie Safe Travels. Hope you guys kill it. Um, and out there watching and listening, please check these guys out. The music's great. Uh, and you're a cool dude. I mean, that's it, makes it even better. You too, man. I appreciate it. So, thank you so much. And, uh, that's right. I'll, me. uh, I'll, I'll make sure I i unfollow enough people so they can follow you to keep tabs on what you're doing. <laughs> that's basically
1: what, that's what I'm that's getting it. at. It's all like, good dude, just follow us on TikTok. I think you can follow like millions of people. Dude, on
0: TikTok. Uh, uh, real quick, I'm sorry, but TikTok, like, what do you guys do on TikTok?
1: Everything. Um, That's funny. It's I mean, it's I don't do it. It's our friend Jessica, who also does Fozzie stuff. And she's like a TikTok genius. Like she's like one of the biggest TikTok influencers out there. She was invited to like the big old TikTok event was on the red carpet, asked questions. by like it was she's hilarious. She's great. And I've learned a lot about social media because I don't know shit about content and frankly i don't care like because i'm like i'm so focused on like what am i gonna? what's what's the next song what's the next move for nocturnal you know who who are we going to talk to next are we talking to a label you know we just got an agent what's the next tour what's the and that's all i think about every day what can move us forward and sometimes like posting to the rest of the world and being like hey look at us we're the nocturnal affair doesn't cross my mind i'm so busy like trying to talk to management, trying to talk to just trying to write, trying to get all the fucking other noise out of my mind, you know, and I avoid social media because if I don't, I won't write because I'll just sit there and I'll scroll for hours after I wake up and then
0: hate hate people. And
1: like, yeah, it's scary. So,
0: well, you just got one more follower on TikTok. Uh, (laughs) I I don't know how to utilize it. I I mean, this is a, Oh shit. Whoa! What's happening? Whoa! Whoa! How? I...
1: What? Is that a thing?
0: I don't know. Well, I don't know what
1: you did. I... <laughs> what? what's happening. What is this? What? Is... It's not working for me. Come on. Right, do you have an iPhone?
0: Oh, you're on your iPhone. Yeah, I'm not on my iPhone. What the hell?
1: Wow. I don't know what's happening, but that's hilarious.
0: That's amazing. All right. Yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah, man. I'll see you on the internet. Hell yeah. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Take it easy. All right, we'll see you. Oh, what was that? Do you see that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. I learned so much tonight in the last 10 seconds. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks. We'll see (laughs) you.